Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Premier Chels, your source for all things Premier League, but starting with Chelsea first. Coming to you on your speakers and headsets, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I'm Jackie from Houston. I have Rahul here from Connecticut. Rahul, welcome back. And actually, I have a very, very special guest from Miami, Florida, Christian Ortiz. Christian is the founder of Kickoff Coffee and a massive Newcastle fan and, ironically, Atletico Madrid as well. Welcome, Christian. Happy to have you here. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. I'm super excited to be here with uh, Premier Chels, uh, a fan of what you guys are doing. Honored to uh, partner up with you guys uh, last season and uh, this season as well. So um, finally uh, here with you guys to, to, to share a few moments and talk a little bit about Chelsea and uh, the exciting season coming up. Kind, kind words. Really appreciate it. But before Chelsea and the season coming up, can you tell us a little bit about kickoff and a little bit about you as well? Sure. Um, well, Kickoff Coffee is um, a company that celebrates top quality coffee, uh, specialty coffee, uh, through the eyes of football. So um, uh, about eight months ago, um, two co-founders and, and myself, uh, my sister, Melissa Ortiz, and my now wife, Rasha Kumsie, uh, we came together to launch this coffee company, uh, and we wanted to really... Uh, you know, dedicate uh, a company in a space that could highlight the, the beautiful game, you know, football. So uh, we've now uh, launched uh, our online store. Uh, we've launched three bags of uh, different coffees. Um, I know you guys have uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> doing an amazing job helping us uh, get the word out, sharing our, our coffees with uh, your community. We really appreciate that. And uh, we're working hard uh, to, to, to launch our next line of three so uh, it's been non-stop but uh, we're super excited uh, for this season coming up and uh, some of the things we have in store yeah honestly it's been a wonderful journey to go on with you guys and I love that you said eyes of football because even everything from the packaging to where you guys are getting this from and even giving back to the community you want to tell us a little bit about that as well Sure. Yeah. Um, like I said, we, we launched uh, an initial line of three bags of coffee, uh, each coming from different parts of the coffee world. And uh, what we've been able to do is set up um, and dedicate each bag uh, that gives back a portion, in, in this case, 10% to uh, soccer organizations or community organizations that use soccer to make an impact in the community. And so, for example, um, our very first bag, it's called The Playmaker. Um, we sourced this coffee from Wheelock. Colombia. And uh, so for the Playmaker bag, uh, 10% of all proceeds uh, goes back to this organization called Tiempo de Juego, which is located in Colombia and that are working in uh, underserved communities uh, through the game of soccer. So, um, you know, not only we are, you know, about really uh, connecting our community with top quality coffees, but we're um, working hard to really uh, help and support these wonderful organizations that are using these innovative uh, game methods to, to, to help uh, community uh, in its development. So, Yeah, what a wonderful mission. And we here at the Premier Chelsea team not only love your coffee, we love the mission. <laughs> and being Chelsea fans, maybe you'll find the next Radamel Falcao for us and then we can get a striker back in our team here. Or maybe Atletico Madrid, I don't know. We'll find out here in the next few years. We'll see. So that's great. Thank you again for being on here. Rahul, do you want to get jumped into some of the exciting content we have today? Yes, let's do that. So uh, before we do that, I do want to share 
my kickoff coffee mug here. Uh, so it's not just coffee, but it's also some cool merchandise. Merchandise, so definitely check it out, guys. Uh, but let's jump into the Premier League. Oh, sorry, transfer rumors. I beg your pardon, Jackie. Uh, so just a quick, couple of quick ones on Chelsea outgoings. Zappacosta has left for Italy. Uh, he joins Atlanta on a permanent deal. Ike Ugbo uh, joins Genk in Belgium on a permanent deal as well. And then the rumors are Kurt Zuma is heading to West Ham, which would open the door for Jules Conde to join Chelsea. So about a week left here of the, of the transfer window, but Chelsea is still slowly making some moves, uh, mainly outgoings, but a couple of incomings. And one such incoming is Saul from Christian's Atletico Madrid that has been linked with Chelsea. Uh, so we figured we'd have Christian obviously talking about kickoff coffee, but also sharing with us what Saul brings to, to Chelsea and, um, you know, his time at Atletico Madrid. So, We'll start yeah. with you, Christian. Saul, midfield, but um, you know, joining Chelsea. Your thoughts on that? Well, I'd I'd hate to see him leave. Uh, you know, I that's that's my opinion as a, as an Atletico supporter. Uh, I've seen Saul grow over the years uh, with the enormous growth that Atletico has experienced over the last ten years or whatnot. Um, and Saul is an ext- extremely talented player. Uh, you know, I, I think he, he carries the precise qualities to, to thrive in a league like the Premier League. Uh, I love his, his style of play. He's, uh, you know, he can be very technical, but also very simple. Uh, he's really good at distributing, uh, you know, uh, his, his tempo, his, his work rate. Everything is on par for, I think, uh, a go in the Premier League. Uh, like I say, I hate to see him go because uh, he had just signed a, a new deal not too long ago, uh, you know, long-term deal with Atleti. Uh, but uh, times are changing at Atletico very quickly. And, uh, and so he may feel like he, you know, is ready for uh, a new experience, uh, a new opportunity and a new league. So, um, so yeah, let's see what, let's see what happens. I don't know if there's any uh, more specific questions about him in his role in on the field or, you know, what's interesting, I think, is that he's got that type of, I think you described it well, he can fit in technically, but he can also play the simple pass. And I'm almost wondering with a Chelsea team, maybe we need someone like that, because we do have a Jorginho who's kind of a playmaker, a little bit slower, a Kante who is a destructive midfielder, mm-hmm. maybe somebody a little bit different, and it looks like he'll he'll fit that mold. Now, one thing I want to touch on, I think that the relationship between Chelsea and Atletico Madrid, especially when it comes to transfers of players, has been pretty healthy over the last five, six years here, Diego Costa has come and went back. Uh, Felipe Luis came and then also went back. So you've got good relationship there. So uh, do you expect that Bissau stretches his legs a little bit and says, you know, may, I, I may come back in the future? Or is this one where if he goes, you guys are going to use that money and maybe invest it somewhere else in, in the team? Yes, it is, a, it is a weird moment, I think, in, in his career. You know, he's like 26 years old. Right. And uh, like I said, he's he's recently gone through like an up and, and down moment at Atleti, but, uh, you know, he's extremely talented. Uh, and, and at this moment in, in the world uh, economy that I guess we're, we're living in, I was uh, telling Raul before that it's bizarre to me that at that age, like he would be looking for a loan spell, at least uh, at first, right. With an option right. to, to stay, but um, it, it could be one of two things. I think uh, like a breath of fresh air, where he goes out, you know, 
uh, spends a season in the Premier League where he kind of finds himself again to return. Uh, as we've seen Diego Costa and, you know, uh, some other uh, Atleti transfers to Chelsea. And I would be really happy if he, he were to come back uh, with a new breath for, you know, the game and, you know, his, his role at the club. Um, and if he, you know, if Chelsea does, let's say he does make the move and Chelsea chooses to, to, to bring him on permanent, permanently, I think that, you know, he'll have a, a great impact at Chelsea. Like you said, he can, he can fill in many roles. Um, he can play defensive mid and we've even, we've even used him. Um, we've even placed him at, uh, left back, uh, you know, so he can play on the wing as well. So like, there's so many, uh, exciting options to, to, to play, uh, Saul at so I, I think that it would be a a great uh, uh, addition for Chelsea. Yeah, that that'll be definitely exciting, and then we'll see how things play out over the next few weeks here. Whether it gets into a loan and then buy in one year, or he gets his experience and comes back to Atletico and says, "I'm happy being in the Madrid area," and then we kind of go from there. Uh, Rahul, do you have any more you want to talk us through? Yeah, so I mean, there's like I said, there's a week left, but there's a lot of activity happening and. Uh, Christian and I were talking about the transfer window and it's probably the craziest in, in the history of transfer windows because we still have the potential of Mbappe moving to Madrid, Ronaldo moving to PSG or Manchester City, Lewandowski moving to PSG. And if all that wasn't enough, the saga of the summer, Harry Kane could still end up at City within the next week or so. So it's just mind blowing the deals that are happening in just to think about the deals that have already happened. We were talking about Lukaku, but you think about Messi leaving, you think about Ramos leaving. Uh, it's just, it's just crazy. And uh, Atleti themselves have made some good moves. And, yeah. uh, you know, I think for the next season, it's going to be a whole different ball game in terms of where players are, but it's going to be entertaining all over. Yeah, it definitely sounds like a lot of wild parts happening there. I'll ask you on one question here, Christian Mbappe to Madrid. How do you feel about who's potentially a top-class, world-class player going to a rival here? Yeah, I, uh, you know, I'm Colombian American, so uh, we all witnessed James and his career taking a, you know, uh, that path towards Real Madrid. I'd, I'd advise him to stay away. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do it. Don't do it. Fair enough. I think that's good advice there. And one thing that's interesting, Rahul, is Mbappe's contract is actually up at the end of next season. So from my perspective, 160 odd million being called for a player that could potentially be free next year and supposedly has his heart going on Madrid anyway. What are your thoughts on that one? Yeah, I was reading that. And it's interesting that they were saying that's Madrid's way of showing how strongly they feel about him. And I'm like, isn't this the Madrid that was pushing for the Super League because they didn't have money? Uh, and all of a sudden, they're about to drop that kind of money on a player that could be essentially sign for them in, in six months for free, like you said. So I guess it comes down to if Madrid want him, they're going to find the money from somewhere and get him. And he wants to go. It's a dream for him, like we've seen uh, being reported. And if it's not this summer, it's definitely next summer. And um, I know Christian said stay away, but I, it's it's weird. Whenever Madrid come calling for a player, that player just wants to go regardless of what has happened in the past. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. And if that happens, like you said, it might be one of the craziest transfer windows we've all seen in a very, very long time, if not the craziest ever. So we'll all be watching and we'll stay tuned and give updates as and when they come. But if you want to jump into match week two, Rahul? 
Yeah, let's do that. So Premier League, uh, been back already two weeks. It feels like, um, you know, it's just it just started this weekend, but it's been the second week. And uh, some teams kind of already started on a good path, Liverpool being one of them, a second win for them against Burnley uh, and, you know, cruise control. And they're looking good with their players back, uh, Van Dijk's back and uh, Salah and Jota and Mane doing their piece up front. Uh, so they seem to be looking good. Brighton themselves uh, are looking good. You, me and Alex, Jackie had picked them to go down. Um, and they've come up, come up, and I believe they sit in fourth, if I'm not wrong. Yeah, impressive. 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 Um, and Man City, back to their winning ways. Christian and I were talking about Jack Grealish uh, before the, the podcast started, and he gets his goal, and that's another player that's moved this summer for big money. Um, so some of these signings coming through, and we'll talk about our guy Lukaku in a second here, but Leeds and Everton put on a great show, 2-2, uh, an entertaining game. I'm not sure if you guys watched it, but, uh, you know, Leeds and Everton in terms of entertainment, I think that was the best game this this weekend. Right. Yeah, and just a quick question for Christian here. I know you talked about James Rodriguez. There were quotes coming out that he had moved or had put his career coming to Everton because he wanted to play with Ancelotti. And, you know, he did have a pretty good season in Everton coming to England for the first time, really performed. I think it was one of their standout performers. He did struggle a little bit with injuries here and there. But do you think he stays at Everton and he can work under the new coach? Or do you think he's going to try and find a way out now? That's a great question. You know, I I was really happy to see him move to the Premier League. I remember watching him when he was uh, in the youth uh, national teams in in Colombia. And I was just, you know, from the get-go knew that he... He had a natural ability to be in the Premier League and his his style, his way of play, his quick decision making, uh, his flair, it sets up perfect for the Premier League. So regardless of uh, whether he stays at Everton or not, I don't see why he he can't. But um, regardless, you know, he, he I hope he stays in the Premier League. Yeah, he's definitely a talent that we all like to see in the Premier League. He's put on some amazing goals and some amazing performances. So hopefully he stays in can help them be, I don't know, Rahul, maybe a dark horse over here? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Everton under Benitez, too, now. So yep. uh, one from good one good manager to another one, I think Hamas would definitely benefit from uh, playing there. And he has a good team around him, especially in front of him with Dominic Calvert-Lewin, who can convert the chances that right. Hamas would, pro- would provide. But uh, another game that Christian is kind of closely linked with is Villa versus Newcastle. And unfortunately, yeah. Newcastle lost the game. Uh, but Danny Ings, man, that was that was some goal. <laughs> that was one hell of a goal, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but let's talk a little bit about Newcastle, Christian. What are your thoughts on them this season? Let, or what are your thoughts on the manager? Because I've heard a lot of things about Steve Bruce going into last season. Newcastle didn't necessarily play the best football, but they managed to survive, and they did have a few games here and there. Thoughts on the manager? Thoughts on them? Maybe where they'll end up this season? It's a very frustrating situation at the club right now at Newcastle. Um, you know, when, when Steve Bruce was named coach, uh, nobody wanted, you know, it to happen. But I was one of the, you know, the few or one of the fans that kind of wanted to at least give him an opportunity to see how it goes. I think we all got to a point where we were ready to have a change. Um, right. Towards the end of the season, we were at the bottom of the table, uh, fighting relegation, scrapping through a really unhealthy uh, roster. You know, these are all things that reflect, uh, I think, 
the the legacy that he's uh, left as a coach uh, at different clubs that he's had the opportunity right. to coach at. And unfortunately, like he seems like a great guy, like a nice guy. You like wanna you wanna give him a chance, but it's like it's not happening. And right. and again, this transfer season is another demonstration of how unorganized things are at Newcastle right now, and uh, it's 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 a heartbreaker. And we're just hoping that if we can stay healthy, we have enough to kind of finish more or less in the same place as we did last season, you know, hopefully not get pulled down into a relegation battle. But uh, as we've seen the the slow start for us, uh, um, apart from the first half uh, against West Ham in the first leg and, uh, we, and, and again, uh, nothing coming away with nothing at Aston Villa. So it's pretty frustrating for us right now. Yeah. Do you think they need some fresh management, not necessarily at the manager level. When I say management, we've talked about Roland talked and I have talked about this at other big clubs and Newcastle, make no mistake, is a big club with a lot of legacy. Roland and I watched them growing up with the likes of Alan Shearer, who I know that you dearly, dearly adore. We looked at uh, Shola Amiobi and later on, Rahul, uh, I think it was Papi Cisse with one of those incredible mm-hmm. goals against Chelsea. Um, but we talk about management at the high level, which is recruiting um, you know, staffing the club correctly or not just recruiting because one manager wants something. What is the style of football Newcastle want to do overall as they go through? Do you think they need a change up high? Yeah, I think that it, it definitely needs a, a change from, from above. Um, you know, the fans are there week in, week out. Uh, no matter where Newcastle has been, we've gone down a few times to championship. We've come right, right back up. Fans, uh, no question about it, they're there supporting. So uh, the question is uh, where the ownership is and where they are, why are they, you know, everybody knows and uh, we're just waiting for the day. We're praying for the day that uh, we can we can change that situation. And uh, we had, uh, you know, the media likes to play with our hearts a little, but, uh, you know, we've gotten close uh, to a takeover uh, and, and that seems to still be in, in the legal field, uh, but, yeah, we're, we're, we're ready for a change in a new era at, at Newcastle. And, um, but, you know, given the reality, uh, what we do expect from the players is, is another thing. So, you know, no matter who owns the club or who, you know, who's recruited or what, you know, starting 11 is out there week in, week out, they should be, you know, wearing the Newcastle top with the same amount of love that the fans are, uh, you know, bringing to the stadium or, you know, before during the pandemic, you know, from afar. Yeah. yeah, makes a lot of sense. And I know one player you guys picked up this transfer window was Joe Willock. Uh, he looked very, very fresh for you guys last year when he came on loan, and hopefully he can continue and pick up where he left off. Really happy about him staying. Uh, he came in and made a huge impact. He, actually, we could pretty much uh, thank him for keeping us yeah. afloat. <laughs> uh, but, you know, here, here we are, uh, transfer season you know, about to end and he's the only deal we've made. And so what changes from last season? So we've brought back a player that we had on loan who made an amazing impact. We're excited and delighted to have him. Uh, But at the same time, apart from Willick, we've lost players. Um, You know, players have been released or sold and uh, we're waiting to see what else Steve Bruce has uh, in the works. He says that there may be a a loan in in, in the works, but uh, let's last minute de- deals again it shows the the, the disregard and the uh unorgan- like the disorganization at the clubs right. so, yeah 
Yeah, last question for Newcastle, Rahul, before I let you come back in. Sorry, I know we're hanging up on Newcastle, but it's a good conversation here. Uh, Callum Wilson seemed to be an excellent player for you guys last season till he got injured. Mm-hmm. And Newcastle looked like a completely different team without him. He's back now, fit. Um, hopefully, he scored in the first game. Hopefully, he can get back to scoring ways. And I think he may be a big difference to the Newcastle side this year. Maybe almost like a new signing, hopefully. Yep, he's actually got a new number. Yeah. Back, so he's actually wearing the number nine this season, which is a huge responsibility yep. at, at the club. And, uh, and he's already coming out, you know, swinging pretty hard and showing that he's up to the task. He says that he has some ambitious goals for his, his goal tally. So uh, he's, he's absolutely amazing to watch and love his work rate and everything that he's trying to bring to the club. So love it. Yep. Absolutely exciting. Rahul, if you want to take us on from there. Yes, no, I, that was, that was a great discussion. And, uh, another player we spoke about, Christian and I, before you jumped on was uh, St. Maximon, who's, mm-hmm. again, he was injured too last season, but at least in the first game and even a little bit in the Villa game looked like he could be that spark that Newcastle need uh, in games when, you know, things aren't going their way. And so with him, Callum Wilson, Almiron, who moved from MLS, I think there is some good talent there. Yeah. Uh, like maybe Christian was saying, maybe a different manager would would get more out of them, but uh, Newcastle are never shy of making the managerial change. So if things are getting a little rough, um, maybe that will come through. Not asking for it, just kind of, you know, uh, going down what has happened in history. But moving on to a different team in West Ham, we're kind of maybe in a similar situation as Newcastle a few seasons ago in terms of, you know, uh, bottom half and trying to stay in the league. But this season, and even last season actually, has been a whole different new West Ham. David Moyes doing... Uh, what we thought he would do at Manchester United, uh, doing it at West Ham. And they currently sit top of the table after beating Leicester City 4-1. Jackie, I'm sure you were surprised by that, but I'm sure Christian was even more surprised by seeing West Ham end the week top of the table. Yeah, I'll go real quick on that one. I didn't pip West Ham to beat Leicester, at least in that fashion. I I know they have a good squad. I know that the manager has done a a really good job last year, but Leicester also were no small team and no small club to mess around with last season. So I think the fashion in which they did it and the comfort level in which they were able to score those goals was kind of an eye-opener to maybe pay attention to West Ham. Maybe they're not going to compete for the league necessarily. I don't think they have enough in the tank for that. But in and around that top four position, I think West Ham may be trying again. I don't know. Christian, your thoughts on them? I agree with you, man. Uh, I think that they had a, a, a pretty good uh, season last season and they were uh, in that fight, that, that final race to, to make it uh, to, to the top uh, four or six. I yeah. don't remember precisely, but uh, I'm, I'm a fan of uh, Moise. I think that he does a great, a great job and he's worked with what the players that he's had and, uh, and he seems like he's gotten uh, a good group together there. Yeah, definitely he does. And if Rahul, if you're correct, they're going to make some couple more signings, maybe Big Kurt from Chelsea to West Ham. They could strengthen even further here. They could, and they have to because they're in Europa League. And uh, typically what we've seen with teams that make it into Europa League that have traditionally not played in Europe is they start slipping down. But West Ham has started like a house on fire. And uh, I'm sure with the additions like Zuma and maybe a couple more, uh, they would definitely be up there. So a team to watch out for. And I think we didn't even pick them to make it into the top six. So we, we might have to reevaluate our, our choices. Um, but a team that we did pick to kind of make it into the top four is Manchester United. And they started off excellently in that first week against Leeds, but kind of back down to earth in the, in the second week, a one, one draw against Southampton. 
Uh, Jackie, I'll get your thoughts and then we'll we'll kind of wrap up this part of the episode with Christian. Yeah, I wouldn't say it was a, a shocker by any means necessarily because I think the theme of last season, and we've said this on the show many times, is the Premier League is such an amazing league that anybody can beat anybody. Um, I think it was more startling because Man United seemed to have signed all the right players and have got all the right parts now. And so on paper, they should be able to beat a Southampton team. So it, we have to watch this one a little bit closely because it's going to go back to the age-old debate. Is Ole Gunnar Solskjaer the right man to lead them to that next layer, which is title challenge and then championships and wins like that? So we'll be watching them. It was a little bit of a surprising one, but again, never shocking in the Premier League. Yeah, you're, you're spot on. Christian, your thoughts on Manchester United and Southampton? I think you guys nailed it. Uh, I think that they're going to be uh, fighting there, the top positions, you know, the league. I think that uh, coming off of last season, finishing second, and then uh, coming into this season, looking to build off of that, uh, it's make it or break it, I think, for Silkshire, right? And uh, and so um, I, I did see the Southampton uh, menu match, and uh, Southampton did a, a, a great job. Uh, che Adams had a great goal. Uh, I know that it was like an unfortunate deflection but uh it was a great setup by uh armstrong who actually comes from newcastle <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah it was a great it was a great match to watch uh, and i think that there's uh it's gonna be an interesting season for them so yeah, yeah absolutely so uh before we jump into and kind of analyze the chelsea arsenal game a little further uh we wanted to thank christian for joining us today uh, i know you said you had a little bit of time so it was great to have you on finally uh, and talk about kickoff coffee, which again is a great, you know, not only great coffee, but giving back to the community, like you mentioned. Um, and we have partnered up with you. If you're not aware of it already, then it is uh, an official partnership. And we have a code TP coffee 15 for 15% off. Uh, so check it out. It's www.kickoffcoffeecode.com. Uh, and it's also applicable. That code's also applicable to the uh, merchandise, as I mentioned earlier. So uh, definitely some great stuff. And if you're asking for my personal favorite, it's the match day. Uh, so grab yourself a bag and, and let us know and let Christian know, uh, you know, your feedback because they're always willing to uh, work with you and, and bring out, like he said, three new bags. So we're looking forward to it, Christian. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, and we'll hope to have you back in the very near future. Always a pleasure guys. And uh, an honor to work with you guys and, and, uh, Cheers to all the work you guys are doing, Premier Chels. Uh, wishing you the best, except when you guys play <laughs> Newcastle and Atleti. <laughs> there you go. Thanks, Christian. All right, good luck, Thanks, guys. Christian. Take, Take care. Thanks for having me. Yep. Okay. Bye. All right, Rahul, now we're going right, to get man. into the meat and potatoes of this game. Yes, sir. So uh, I missed the last episode, but you, uh, Alex, and Will did a great job talking about Arsenal and Chelsea. And um, we won the game. That's that's all that, that matters. But let's deep dive into it and talk about the starting 11. Uh, Lukaku making his debut and, uh, you know, the overall choices that Tuchel made for his second game in, in this season. So you want to run us through the starting 11? Yeah, absolutely. You know, Mendy and goal. I think that initially we talked about Kepa having a chance, but Mendy has started solid and maybe he'll keep his spot. We'll see when the African Cup of Nations come around, if Kepa can really push for that. Rudiger Christensen back in in the middle. Uh, Cesar Spilicueta taking that right central back position. A lot of talk about Chaloba, but I think when you've got your senior squad fit and ready to go, and for those who are big Chaloba fans, I think don't worry about it. We have a lot of football to play this year, so we may see the young man yet get some games here and there. 
in the midfield or that midfield four that we traditionally play, Marcus Alonso keeps his space at left wing back. I see you smiling there, Rahul. I'll get your thoughts on him. Jorginho and Kovacic continue in the middle. Reese James at right wing back. In the front, we've got Kai Havertz and Mason Mount almost playing as inter- inside kind of wingers, not necessarily hugging the touchline with Romelu Lukaku leading the line. And I'm going to save my my comments on Lukaku after I get you to speak for a few minutes, Rahul. Yeah, no, a strong lineup. And uh, I, I guess the touching point here is Marcus Alonso, who, who continues to play, and rightly so. He hasn't done anything uh, wrong. He's been fit. He's been the one that's been there through preseason. A lot of our listeners had reached out on, on um, Instagram and it said, what's going on with Chilwell? Why isn't he playing? And uh, he is back. He is part of the squad. He was on the bench. But like, I, like we said on our Instagram, he hadn't played since the Champions League final. He did go to the England uh, team squad for the Euros, but he didn't play a single minute. He then went on holiday, which was kind of mid-July, came back and has been, you know, working his way back to fitness. But for him to be thrown into this game uh, would have been a little too early. So I think Marcus Alonso was the right choice. And he did a decent job with, you know, against a pacey winger in Pepe. I yeah, think he know, did, a, did a good sorry, job. You know, you know, about Marcus Alonso, what's interesting is I love Ben Chilwell. I think Ben Chilwell is probably one of the best left backs in the Premier League, but Marcus Alonso is not bad at all at left wing back. And I think that's what makes the big distinction. When you put Marcus Alonso at a left wing back position, it's almost like that position was made for that gentleman. I think he just loves it. He loves bombing forward. He doesn't necessarily have to worry so much about the defensive side of the game, which is where we've always called out his weaknesses. But in this in this particular formation, when you've got Mason Mount and Kai Havertz playing as those inside wingers, Alonso has a lot of space to go up and down and really make use of that space. He did, and he most of our attacks were whenever we were attacking, Alonso was right there. So, like you said, yeah. he he enjoys that side of the game. But even the defensive side, he would he's he doesn't sacrifice it just because he likes attacking, Fair and that's enough. I think has been a, a tweak or a change in his style under Tuchel is he knows he can attack, but he knows I got to do my defensive work to keep my spot in this squad. Yeah. Uh, and it's a great option. We've now moved Emerson on. So Alonso is, I guess, a quote unquote backup, but not really <laughs> because he's, he's the starting choice right now. Yeah. Uh, but, and he's a good option to have in the squad because he's always going to pop up with goals too, when you need them. Yeah. And fair play to Tuchel Rahul. I think that it's important that if a player is performing well, even if on paper Ben Chilwell is your starting left back, if the gentleman that's pushing for the position is is doing well, he he has to be rewarded till you see him not necessarily play the way he's supposed to. And then you can give Chilwell his chance in the team. But fair play to Tuchel on that one. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. And uh, Thiago Silva is another one that maybe raises a couple of questions as to why he hasn't played yet. But you've got to remember he played a full season with Chelsea uh, went away and played Copa America with Brazil, and he's now working his way back into fitness. Uh, I think he, so I read somewhere he did cut short his holiday, which credit to him, uh, and I think he will be back, and he's another great option to have in the squad. So, uh, But his his substitute, or I guess the, the guy who fills in this position, Christensen has been very good too. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of a situation where we have a lot of good players, and everyone's performing so far. It's been two games and we don't want to get carried away, but right. everyone's doing uh, what they're supposed to. I guess the midfield position is where uh, we need a little bit of strengthening, and that's why Saul's coming in. But what did you make of Jorginho and Kovacic? 
I thought they did okay, to be honest with you. I think uh, one thing about Kovacic really is he brings a lot of energy, which I've right. always said. He's able to kind of close down balls and he does very good tackling, spreads the play. Jorginho, we know what Jorginho brings to the team. He controls that midfield, looks around for a pass and lays it off. So he's not always going to be the prettiest footballer on the on the ball, but Jorginho does what Jorginho does best, which is almost architect or uh, orchestrate that midfield right. and tell them what to do and, and what not to do. But the name that we've been holding back on, I've been not saying anything. I waited for you to talk, and maybe you need to talk about the number nine, Big Rom. Look who's back. He is, and it's it's so fulfilling to watch a Chelsea team, especially this Chelsea team that we've seen for the last last season's four months, with a central attacking, striking, whatever you want to call it, forward that is just there to occupy defenders and open up space for the likes of Havertz, Mount, Reese James, Alonso. Uh, and you could see how worried the Arsenal defense was by just Lukaku. Cause every time we played the ball into him, they kind of all came in towards right. him, which left the wings open and we'll talk about the goals, but it was just a great sight for me because we've spent the whole of last season saying, Oh, we don't score enough or we don't have this main threat. And now we do. You know what's interesting, Roland, and I want you to talk about the goals here in just a minute, but I think that as the team gets comfortable with Lukaku leading the line, we're going to see bigger score lines. And I think I texted you in the match, and for anybody listening, Raul and I exchange a lot of messages <laughs> over the match because we live so many thousands of miles apart. That's the only way for us to discuss the game without being on the phone call and interrupting each other. But essentially what I said was Kai Havertz and Mason Mount were a little bit shocked or, or stunned because they're so used to having maybe a Timo or Kai or Pulisic leading the line where it's very fluid. And so you'll see Kai take the number nine or Mason take the number nine or Timo take the number nine, and they're kind of floating around. But Lukaku just holds that middle and he has a presence saying, I'm going to play through the middle. I'm here. I'm owning this space. And so Mason and Kai were kind of like trying to figure out if they need to take the middle, but it's not necessary anymore. Let him occupy the two, three center backs in Arsenal's case, occupy them. And you guys have a lot of room to operate around them or through the channels. And you're going to get a lot of chances with that gentleman in the front. And you are, and let's just get into the first goal, which is he drops deep, kind of plays a pass. And then immediately he knows the balls at Reese, it's going to fall to Reese James. I've got to get into the box. And uh, I'm not going to like call out names of former strikers or current strikers in their squad, but that's the difference between having Lukaku and having someone else leading the line where he has that, that sixth sense or that natural ability to say, I'm going to attack the box versus someone else who will make that play and then kind of hold back and say, I'm going to wait for this cross to come back deeper or, or lower to me instead of going right into the box. And Lukaku attacks it, blows Murray off, uh, and it's basically a tap-in, and now, again, rival fans will say, oh, everyone's getting carried away by a tap-in, but it's the the whole play that we're getting carried away with, not just, you know, with the one piece of, of, of putting the ball in the back of the net, which, again, certain strikers would might have missed, and I, I texted you that saying, uh, you know, a different striker in a different position might have missed that, but Lukaku did it, and... Within 15 minutes of his debut, he's gotten the first goal. Uh, his second homecoming, his second debut for Chelsea, and his first goal. 
you know, before we move on on that conversation, I think you're going around some of the names you don't want to mention. And, and, and rightly so, I agree with you. I don't think we need to mention the names. But the reason we're tiptoeing around the names is there are some ugly scenes that came out of Stamford Bridge when players were training and someone actually was allowed to ask a question. Rather than asking the question, this fan went out to say, get Timo Warner out of the club. Very, very disrespectful. I think us as fans, it's it's okay to banter once in a while. And Rahul and I have been guilty of this, where we banter here and talk about our feelings about a fan. But you don't go directly to a stadium and insult a player that pulls on the Chelsea shirt every week and does what they need to. Because I know for a fact that I'm not going to be able to pull on a Chelsea shirt and run half as fast as Timo Warner can and do the work that he does. But very unfair, and I don't like to see those things. I think these discussions we have offline as a podcast is great. But going out and picking up a microphone is, is not fair at all for for someone like Timo who's put his heart and soul and is a Champions League winner at the end of the day. So think about that when you, you want to berate those players. But coming back to Lukaku, I think what was interesting was before he kicked the first ball in his second spell for Chelsea, he said, we are hunters. And what he did was he hunted that goal. And a lot of people don't understand that the strength, the mentality, and the foresight to just say, I'm getting in there to hunt and make sure that this ball goes in. If he gets us 20, 30 goals this season, we're going to be a different Chelsea. Again, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Things happen. But like you said, exciting to see a focal point in the middle there. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I think the team itself, you could see, felt a little more comfortable. Now, I know you said Kai Havertz and and Mount were uh, trying to figure out with Lukaku there. But I think as the game went on, they knew we're in trouble. We're defending, pump it up to Lukaku. Right. Or, you know, we, we need to play a few passes out and have someone hold it for us, give it to Lukaku. Now I'm not saying this is going to be the, the outlet every time, because as we get, you know, further into the season, teams are going to figure out how to stop or uh, at least defend him a little bit better. Uh, but it's a great option to have, because then you have a Kai Havertz that could do something else or Mason Mount or Timo Werner or Hakim Ziyech. The list goes on. Right. The point here is that Chelsea now have a squad and a team that have a lot of different dimensions to it with Lukaku in it. Absolutely. I really I really do believe that other than the dimensions role, I think him, you said this a couple episodes ago, he's gone out and become a more complete player. He doesn't mind playing with his back to goal where he can rotate and flip and turn on an acceleration and go. But there were many times where the ball would come into feet, he would hold it up and wait for Mason and Kai to catch up, made, made for Alonso and Reese to catch up, and then he would lay it off. That's all he had to do. Hold it up till the team caught up, and then he would lay it off, and then he can spin and continue and look for another opportunity there. Yeah, absolutely. And that kind of feeds into the, the second goal where he didn't really hold it off, but he knew or was aware when Alonso plays a ball into him from the left wing towards, you know, towards the edge of the Arsenal box, he lets it run. He knows that Mason Mount is going to be right behind me or in a different case, Kai Havertz. And he lets it go and the Arsenal defender falls for it, falls to Mason Mount. And everyone's kind of attracted towards Lukaku and has left Reese James wide open. And Reese James, to his credit, was absolutely on his game. You know, he provided the assist for the first goal, which we didn't even really touch on, and then popped up with the second goal. Uh, and... I mean, this picture right here is is an iconic picture because you can see him bleed blue and, and the Arsenal fans are telling him exactly how they feel. And uh, Beast James, like I've been saying for over a season now, he's coming into his own too with this team and this formation. And yeah, uh, at the expense of getting carried away and, and kind of saying things that I may regret maybe in a couple <laughs> of games, uh, Chelsea looked good and, and yeah. it was it was a, a satisfying victory all around. 
Yeah, and before we move on to the next thing we want to talk about, Rahul, I want to touch on Arsenal because I have been a Mikel Arteta fan. And what I what I mean by a Mikel Arteta, Arteta fan, sorry, is I think that every coach deserves time to put their stamp on a team. And I think Arteta has now had a little over getting to two seasons at this point. And one thing that was evident, and you touched on it right there, was both goals came from the right-hand side for Chelsea. Reese James providing the cross for Lukaku to finish, and then Reese James himself in acres of space because everybody was attracted over to Lukaku to get that goal. And if you watch the game back-to-back, that first half, the right side, we dominated. Not saying that Alonso was weak. He was excellent on the left, but that right side had a lot of possession, a lot of domination, a lot of balls coming in. And now getting back to Arteta, this is where, as a coach, you make and break yourself. You've been there a few seasons. You've got a core player, group of players you like. You're signing a couple of players. You spent 150-odd million this uh, transfer window and maybe not in the right positions. But tactically, I feel like he may have got it wrong because even after the first goal got in, there was no changes tactically. Again, not talking about personnel, to maybe ask Tierney to sit back because Reese was free all game long. Um, so it's going to be interesting for Arteta. I know that Alex was a big proprietor of him getting sacked before Christmas. And if things don't shape up, they have a tough run of games coming. And you and I sit on this podcast and criticize Arsenal and they go on and get on a 10-game <laughs> winning streak. So I'm not getting too deep into that. But he needs to correct some things before it gets too late. No, you're spot on. And you watch Arsenal and it wasn't just our game, the Brentford game too. They seem to not know what each other or what the team's supposed to be doing. Uh, they did improve in the second half against us. And you've got to, I guess you've got to say that's kind of a natural reaction from 11 professionals and, and a manager who's a professional manager. But you've got to also worry about them if you're a fan that Man City next, like you said, another tough fixture. Uh, and then they have a couple of other fixtures I don't remember off the top of my head against teams that they should be beating. But They should have been beating Brentford too against no disrespect to Brentford, but this team just seems to be lacking ideas. And and I think they're not playing the way or to the potential they should be. Uh, And from what I've read, Arteta has five games to save his, his job. Uh, And if he doesn't, then the next international break before in October, I believe uh, is when they'll make the decision. But for Arsenal, you just, like you said, spent 150 million and you're telling your manager, well, five games, and then right. we've got to find someone else. Like, does it d- doesn't make sense? The decision making we were talking about Newcastle earlier. Yeah. Arsenal decision making doesn't seem to be making a lot of sense either. And uh, it'll be interesting to see it unfold over the next few seasons, uh, next few weeks. I beg your pardon, but uh, I'm happy we finally beat them and and have broken <laughs> that three game curse, which was. We just always faced them and they turned into a whole different team and we, we put that to bed and thanks to Lukaku. There you go. So that's going to be exciting. But at the risk of praising Chelsea too much, we have another huge game coming up now and that's against Liverpool. Yes, and that's second versus third because West Ham's at top. <laughs> um, and it's a second versus third on Saturday afternoon and hey, the big games keep coming for Chelsea and it's I don't know if it's a good time to be playing Liverpool or a bad time, but fans will be back at Anfield. And like I mentioned earlier, Van Dyke is back and uh, Robertson should be back. Who's missed a couple of games from injury and their attacking lineup seems to be doing well with Jota uh, scoring in the last two games. So it's going to be a little more challenging for the first mm-hmm. two games we've had, 
but it's a challenge that, you know, at, at this point of the season is one that we should be looking forward to because we're as a team and as Chelsea full of confidence. It hurts me to hear you say Jota is doing well because last season he helped my fantasy Premier League <laughs> extremely to get me up to the top. And this season sounds like you've plucked him. I, I did. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, no credit to Jota. I think last season he was really a diamond in the rough, maybe because he was performing really well at Wolves and Liverpool played uh, paid a good amount of money for him. I think he was in comparison to what we paid for Timo Warner. And there was a lot of back and forth of who got the better signing. And I don't think they got the better signing necessarily, but I do think they got the signing that fit what they needed right. when they, when they were missing Firmino. I think he's a, a player that can fill in that role, or he's a player that we talked about with Will a few, few episodes ago that can play that attacking midfield position as well. So he's definitely one to watch. I think this is a different Liverpool role. I think last year they really, really struggled with, Injuries, not just center backs. I know people like to highlight center backs, but they had terrible injuries all across the board last year. I'm a little concerned that they've not staffed adequately to replace those people. Yes, they went out and spent money to get Ibrahim Konate, if I'm saying that right. Konate, but they've not got other players or a good depth of squad like a Man United does, like multiple center backs in different positions, multiple right backs, multiple strikers. You can see they've got additional players to cover. There's where Liverpool falls shorts. However, on the day, with all their players fit, they have a terrific squad, and it's going to be a very, very tough match. Maybe you can give us a starting 11 to go off with first? Yeah, it's, it's definitely going to be a tough match, and I think uh, the fact that we beat them there last season, obviously no fans, but a different ball game this time around with uh, you know fans being back and them feeling that last season we kind of robbed or, or took the win. Uh, I think they'll be a little more motivated and to that point I think we'll have to put out a side that can at times hold off and and have the character to deal with you know the pressure that comes of playing at Anfield uh, so Mendy obviously in goal I think as for Laqueta, Christensen Rudiger keep their spot Reese James I believe has to keep his spot uh, I think Conte comes back into this one and I was between Jorginho and Kovacic I went with Jorginho simply because uh, I think Tuchel prefers to have that kind of one energetic midfielder, box-to-box kind of in Conte and Kovacic, and another in Jorginho that can just stay and kind of dictate tempo. So those two, I think Ben Chilwell does come back for this game. Um, no disrespect to Alonso, but I think it's just a game where we'll need a little bit more energy going back and forward. Uh, and then Havertz and I think Mount and Lukaku keep their spot. Yeah, fair enough. Again, I think the Chelsea squad has really improved, especially we're looking at people like Havertz, Werner, Hakim Ziyech, who last season were not at their best. I think this season we might see them step up a level. I, for one, can't argue too much with the squad, but I would like to see maybe Timo Werner come on in that second half, especially when there's tired legs out there. Or maybe even Hakim Ziyech to create a little bit more. I think we were screaming for him in that last game against Arsenal towards the second half where we went kind of flat. But I think Conte will make a big, big difference in the midfield, especially when you've got the likes of Salah, Mane running off of uh, the midfield, trying to get behind our defenders. I think he's going to make a huge difference in the squad. So uh, no, no, no disagreements here. I think that's a good starting lineup. Maybe a prediction from you because it's a tough game to predict. It is a tough game and uh, it's, it's going to be interesting to see. So now we saw Lukaku against an average Arsenal defense. Now he comes up against Van Dyke, who really a season ago was the best defender in the world. It's going to be inter- interesting to see how Liverpool defend him uh, and how he reacts to, you know, being against one of the better defenders in the league. Um, I think it'll end in as a draw, 
which early season, not a bad result going away to Anfield for either, at least for us. Uh, and for Liverpool, they kind of continue their unbeaten streak and, and, and go into uh, the rest of the season without having that early loss. So I think 1-1, okay. uh, but I could see us maybe nicking it 2-1-2. Two, two. Okay, fair enough. I'm actually going to go for a 2-1. I think that with Lukaku, that he can keep Van Dijk occupied enough and his partner, Joel Matip, tends to slip up every now and then, which is why they went out and bought Ibrahim Kunate. I hope I'm saying the name correctly this time. Uh, giving a r- little bit of room of the likes of Mason, Kai Havertz, um, maybe even Ben Chilwell to get a goal. He does like to bomb forward and sneak in at that far post. So uh, the problem with the 2-1 is I think Salah likes to always get a goal against Chelsea just to rub it in that he's left us. So I'm going with 2-1 over there. Yeah, a tight game, as you can tell by both uh, predictions. But Hey, it's another big game for Chelsea, and uh, this is what you, I guess, this is what you want early season is get, have these big games and kind of get them out of the system uh, while teams are still trying to figure out their their uh, tactics and kind of just working their way back into fitness. So I'm excited. It should be a good game, and, um, you know, we'll kind of do the build-up to the game on, on Instagram as we do, have been doing for, the, for some of the other games. And uh, before we wrap this up, I just have a shout out to give to Dundilla. Uh, you know, we've been saying if you leave us an Apple review, we'll give you a shout out. So here is his shout out. Uh, he left us a very kind uh, and, and nice uh, Apple review, uh, Apple podcast review, I beg your pardon. So thank you so much, Dundilla. And for our other listeners, if you're listening on Apple, please do leave us a review. It helps us uh, kind of grow and, and, and find other uh, listeners like yourself. But before we wrap it up, Jackie, any parting thoughts from you? Look, it's been a strong week so far. It's been exciting. Chelsea is sitting up there and about at the top of the Premier League table. Early days, not too much to be too, too excited about. But what I'm seeing is making me excited. So gung-ho towards Liverpool, and hopefully we can get that win. Keeping our fingers crossed. Um, but that wraps it up. Thank you very much for listening. Please continue to subscribe, like, and follow us. It, it, it's at the Premier Chelsea on Apple, Spotify, Google, uh, and Instagram and on Twitter, it's at Premier Chels. Uh, please also follow um, Christian, who just joined us for the uh, earlier part of the show. He's at Kickoff Coffee Co. on Instagram. And do check out their website as well, kickoffcoffeeco.com. Uh, and use our code TPCOFFEE15 to buy yourself uh, one of the delicious coffee bags that they have on there. Uh, but we will be back later this week to do a Liverpool review and an Aston Villa preview. Uh, But until then, stay safe and up the chels.